Welcome in everybody to the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, you're joined by your host, Dakota Esri. Today, we got a little bit of around the world, a bigger section than normal, and we got some Mariners and a finishing touch for the Seattle Seahawks. And with that being said, I just want to give a huge shout out to all the people who've been listening, subscribing. We have hit 20 subscribers. That's an absolutely fantastic number. I'm super, super appreciated and thankful for everybody who's been listening, subscribing, rating, all that stuff matters. I'm getting closer and closer to, to, to the next goal. And with that being said, we're just going to jump right into it. Also, for, uh, do not forget, if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a, a subscribe, a rating, and a follow. Everything is appreciated. Episode 5. Wow, this almost seems like a, you know, almost almost like a dream. Every time I started doing these podcasts, I tell myself I'm doing this because I actually, you know, I've always talked about wanting to do this kind of stuff. And it's my dream. It's my passion. And I'm just so thankful I get to do this on almost a daily basis. I'm getting up twice a week. Uh, trying to get these these podcasts to do trying to get a little bit better with getting these on uh, three times a week right now but two times right now is is the minimum goal with that being said around the world let's jump right into it around the world starts with the Warriors being the Mavericks Steph Curry 21 points 12 assists Clay Thompson dropped 15 Luka 20 points 7 rebounds Unfortunately, Luka just couldn't carry uh, the whole team on his shoulders. Unfortunately, that's what happens when you're a single superstar. And you don't really have a lot of other, you know, he has the Spencer Dinwiddie, other decent players, but nothing great along those lines. So, I mean, I like the Mavericks in this series. The Warriors have too much playoff experience. I expect them to probably beat the Mavericks as much as I like Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole. They're just, they're tough. They're just too tough. And I think it's going to be probably a six-game series if I were to take a gander. Heat beat the Celtics. Jimmy Butler, 41 points, nine rebounds, five assists. That is an incredible day at the office. Jason Tatum, 29, eight and six. That's a solid day. I like the Celtics in this series. I think that their length is going to beat out the nastiness of the Heat. Jason Tatum is going to rise and shine just like he did. If he could, he beat Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Giannis. This guy has got a lot of notches in his belt. He's getting better and better as the series goes on. I like the Celtics in seven. Orlando Magic get the number one pick in the NBA draft. Unfortunately, Portland receives the number seven. Guy gets some love to our Trailblazers. Rip City. Max Scherzer left the game yesterday for the New York Mets due to left side discomfort. He's receiving an MRI and x-ray today. I don't have any updates as far as that goes, unfortunately. Uh, Buster uh, Buster Olney of ESPN has reported yesterday that the Washington Nationals are, quote, open to trading Juan Soto this summer. I will touch a little further into this in the Mariners section. I believe the Mariners could be interested in Juan Soto, but that's going to be a little bit of a, a tough deal to get done considering... The package you would try would need to get a player of that quality, in order to get the he's also going to want a four hundred million dollar deal, and the Mariners have never once in their history signed anybody above three hundred million dollars besides Robinson Cano. Nick Saban is under some fire right now, ladies and gentlemen, and I love what the head coach of Texas A&M. He's not he's not holding back shots. He's not. Um, you know, I've been, I was a huge college football fan back in the day when it was Derrick Henry, Vince Young, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, you know, Pete Carroll at SC. Those were the good days. And right now what's going on is quite frankly, uh, Nick Saban is being a petulant child. I'm not going to hold back words. 
You know, the, the Alabama Crimson Tide have had the most dominant football program in the history of collegiate sports. They're like, I would put them and Duke with Coach K right next to each other. It's very easy to say for, you know, Coach Saban, who for once in his tenure doesn't have the, the top overall recruiting class in the, in the nation because it was Alabama, 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 Tua, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, the list goes on. But um, I'm proud of the head coach from Texas A&M for standing his ground and standing up for his boys, you know. This is when they, had, when they had the new NIL name, image, and likeness deal. We all knew this was going to happen. And this is the most healthiest thing for college football is to stop making these same perennial powerhouses just walking in, taking every top recruit in every state, and then the other, and the other schools are just supposed to, what, deal with it? University of Washington has been getting nothing but three-star recruits besides for one random four-star recruit in-state guy for years. Because we can't keep our guys because other, other uh, colleges such as USC, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida State, not to a, that much of an extent, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. These guys are putting out a lot of money. They got more money. They got more punch. They got more, they got more people behind them. They got a bigger booster group. And uh, I'm, just, I'm proud of these guys for standing for, for, for themselves because for once, because Nick Saban doesn't get what he wants. And doesn't get everything that he's normally uh, normally accused of getting, accustomed to getting. Excuse me. Then he just decides that he's going to throw shade at the head coach from Texas A&M, which, for the record, was his defensive coach at LSU before he went to Alabama. So you're taking a shot at your own buddy, a friend of yours, because. He's doing something that you've done for years, but because you're not the one doing it, it makes it wrong. No, Nick Saban, you're wrong. You need to step aside and let somebody else have the, have the spotlight of the country besides for you for once in the last 15 years. You know, this is what drives me crazy. You know, I was or it was Oregon for me. You know, Oregon had all of the great recruits all on the West Coast because USC was just a firehouse Dumpster, wow, firehouse dumpster. That was that, that was great. I like that anyways. I'm rolling with it. I mean, think about this though. After Vince Young, Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll left, Lendale White, they, I mean, Matt Leiner, uh, trying to think of it, like Carson Palmer. They just went down, I mean, what? Matt Barkley, Sam Darnold. Like, come on, people. There hasn't been a quarterback from USC come out and done anything in years. That's all going to change now. Now that Lincoln Riley is out there with, with Caleb Williams, I think they're going to be really exciting. I do hope Caleb Williams comes to the Seattle Seahawks, but we'll see what happens. That's a pipe dream far, far, far away. Eagles signed Pro Bowl defensive back James Bradbury this week to a one-year $10 million deal. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I love what the Eagles have done in the offseason. I really do believe that Jalen Hurts can get them to the next step. I don't believe the Cowboys, the, the Washington Commanders. I still got to get used to calling the Washington Commanders. I'm just used to calling the, the, the other team. We won't go into that. Um, but I like what they've done in the offseason a lot. They, they drafted Jordan Davis, that monster defensive lineman from uh, the, the, the uh, I'm trying to remember, the University of Houston, or Georgia, excuse me, Georgia. And uh, they got uh, Dean, the linebacker from, from, from Georgia. They got a great draft. I thought they had one of the top 10 drafts uh, besides for the Jets, Seahawks, Eagles, Giants. All had really good drafts. Um, they drafted for quality position, not just for need of player. 
which I thought was great to see. And this is something that I'm very passionate about right now is the fact that the U.S. soccer has confirmed an agreement that guarantees equal pay for the United States men's national team as well as the United States women's national team, including World Cup prize money. This has been a problem that's been going on for like, I do believe 20 plus years. I could be wrong. It could be longer than that. But I know it's been a minimum of a 20 year problem. The women have not been getting paid accordingly for this for a very long time. And there's no right reason as to why it took so long to, to, to get this done. I am super proud of our women, of our country, of our, of our national sports for standing up for themselves saying, hey, you know, we're actually going and competing for the World Cup final on a, what I do believe FIFA is an every 10-year, 7-year event. Um, and that's what's a fantastic thing is that we have such consistency on the women's side of our nationals, of our, of our sports in our country, that they are such a great representative. They deserve to be paid the same amount as, as the men do, but because the men always draw usually the more ra uh, the more ratings or the more uh, followers or listeners on their on their channels on their uh, televised sports programs such as ESPN, ABC, Fox, FS1, that they always just they try to justify this. Well, there is no just there is no justification for breaking down pay between genders or sexes in general. This makes no sense at all whatsoever. They both play the exact same sport. They go for the exact same reason, for the exact same event. They should be paid equally. Super proud of our ladies, congratulations. Super, super stoked to see this happening. The Buffalo Bills Foundation had donated $200,000 to support the local response to the mass shooting in Buffalo. Um, great, great showing from the, from the Buffalo uh, organization. It's been an absolute tragedy. I'm not going to get into that. That's not what I do here. But I saw that the Buffalo Bills had indeed donated 200 grand towards this. That's absolutely a great showing of uh, community foundation to help uh, bring along the uh, to help uh, not so much resolve but kind of alleviate some of the pain of some of the people that have gone through such an ungodly experience. And my heart's thoughts and prayers go out to all the families that have been affected by this. Uh, can thank you again to, to, to the Buffalo Bills for being an upstand, uh, upstanding class organization. Yeah, we had a big round the world today, ladies and gentlemen. We really did. Um, let's see here. We got a lot when it comes down to, to the Mariners. This has been quite the interesting series going on recently. Uh, yeah, we lost two out of three going into Toronto. That was not exactly ideal. Logan looked fantastic, though. Received praise from, from the head coach of Toronto, which he does not give out very often, if ever, uh, due to the fact that he had seven innings pitched, six hits, three earned runs, nine strikeouts, tied his personal best. In that game, Julio had another two-game hit. Continued inconsistent offense. This has been, I touched on this almost, seems like almost every podcast we keep talking about. You know, we go into the Mets and... Or go into uh, City Field. I want to say Shea Stadium because I've actually been to Shea Stadium, but it was a dump. But uh, uh, City Field, it was a very odd series. It felt like playoffs to me, honestly. 38,000 people in the stands almost every game. Great interactions between our players. Uh, we really just showed up. We showed up to, to play. Paul Seawall was fired up. Being an ex-Met, he kind of wanted to leave a lasting impression, a lasting taste in their mouth. I was loving to see what, what all we did. We had great timely offense in the end of the games. Jesse Winker, Kyle Raleigh, 
Um, I like what I saw from uh, George Kirby. We touched on that in the last in the last podcast. But the inconsistent offense that has been continuing almost every other game is getting to a point where Jerry's going to have to figure out something quickly. He, uh, he went on with Mike Salk this morning. Unfortunately, I did not have the time to toss that in. I've made, I prepped this show beforehand. I apologize for that. If you guys want me to put up another podcast covering just some updates from the Jerry uh, from the, the Jerry show on Seattle Sports Station, very be happy to do that. I got stuff that I got to get into here, ladies and gentlemen. This is not exactly going to be a pretty subject, but uh, this needs to be addressed. I heard this yesterday on Locked on Mariners podcast. Uh, please give them a subscribe and a follow. They're an absolute great listen. Steven Souza. Steven Souza. Steven Souza. What do we do with you? Well, I'll tell you, it's very simple. You DFM. And you DFM. We should have been DFA'd yesterday. He should have been gone yesterday morning, first thing. He should have been cut from the team, released, jersey sent into the dry cleaners, goodbye. And I got a lot of reasons for this, right? I don't usually throw stones like this very heavily, but it's for, it's for, for a darn good reason. A previous tweet that came out about Steven Souza admitting when he played for a previous, or, uh, previous team that he had intentionally... Drew a dove into the stands to specifically hurt a group of fans that were heckling him all game. You know, I'm sure this happens more and more in sports. Like as we get into you know the deeper dive of details when it comes into player interactions with the fans. But this is inexcusable. I don't give a darn what you choose to do. This is unexcusable. It's unprofessional. It's on. It's not. It's not logical. It's. It's just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting that this guy admitted that he had intentionally wanted to hurt a fan who, I mean, if we all go to sporting events, at some point in time, we're going to heckle somebody because that's what a fan does. You know, we will boo him. We might say a corny joke or something and see if we can't get a little reaction out of him. You know, but, you know, there's a line that I'm hoping in sports gets drawn more often. But as a fan, you know, it's kind of what you do. It's part of the experience, right? The well, reason why is I, I preface that tweet is because Steven Souza, before yesterday's or the day before yesterday's ball game, tweeted out about two hours before the ball game to a bunch of uh, Cana- a bunch of Toronto Blue Jays fans about kindergarten class, and it was incredibly unprofessional. And I am honestly disappointed that our Seattle sports media did not ask. Steven Souza or uh, Scott Service or Jerry or John Stanton anything about this because that's their job is to ask the hard questions. You travel with the team through the ups and the downs, the roller coaster effect of a baseball season, and when stuff like this gets brought up, it needs to be addressed. You can't just run from the clown or from the you know the the one topic you don't want to run from your job is to cover all aspects of your sport excuse me it is unexcusable that they let this slide by it's like oh we're just we'll just forget it never even happened it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that you have now embarrassed the organization the franchise the logo the city and the fan base steven souza you need to go you cannot hit the ball. You cannot read a base. You cannot read the field correctly. You are unprofessional off of the field. You are not helping progress our younger players. Therefore, you are a, quote, 
four A player. When I say a four A player, that means he's not he's too good to play in Triple A, but he's not good enough to play inside the actual mate of the major leagues. So you need to do everybody a favor, Mariners, and release this man today. Because if you don't, there's going to be a nasty Twitter response. Because Twitter yesterday, day before yesterday, Mariners Twitter was red, white, hot. They could not believe the Mariners did not have the gusto to get rid of this man. Do your job, Jerry. Scott, bring him into the office. Explain his behavior. Explain what our expectations are for our franchise. No need to thank him for anything he's done because he hasn't done a dang thing. Take your jersey. Out, out you, you know, bye-bye. Out you go. We don't want to see you anymore, Steven. We can bring up Billy Hamilton, Sam Haggerty. Go trade for some guy, Michael A. Taylor. Go get a Kevin, uh, Kevin Pilar, I believe his name is. He's a, a veteran outfielder right now. He's in the Dodgers organization, AAA. We need to find a reason to find a good player that we can keep around here to fill a void that is a black hole of the bottom of our lineup. And I'm very happy about Cal Raleigh. I'll get into Cal Reese like in the, in the upcoming parts of this episode today. But this is bugging me, as you can tell. This is grinding my gears. That we are sitting around while the Angels and Astros are red hot and they're not cooling down really of anything. And I just don't see why Jerry, you know, hasn't made a more decisive move to fill a hole versus just pull, pulling a guy from AAA that could possibly help you. And then he just massively backfires. He gives up the, that three-run triple because he doesn't read the ball correctly. Jared Kelnick would have made that catch. Dylan Moore would have made that catch or read the ball correctly. We're in a whole different ball game. It's incredibly frustrating. Um, I'm not going to get in, in too much of it. I said what I had to say. But Steven Souza, you're an embarrassment to this organization. And you need to go. Marco Gonzalez yesterday. Oh, man. He is the bulldog. This man, you know, he doesn't give a flying pig's butt. That's going to sound hilarious. And I did my best because I do not swear on, 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 on this podcast. But Marco Gonzalez does not throw 90 miles an hour, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't throw 91 miles an hour. He throws 88, 89, crafty, circle change, cutter, four seam, with like a knuckle curve slash sweeping curve pitch, right? I just am so beyond impressed and thankful for Marco Gonzalez for, be, for being the constant key cog veteran presence that we desperately have needed in our rotation for the entirety since he's been here. Yeah, last year in the first half of the season, he was struggling, but he was having some actual like physical issues. He was not right. He had to take a couple weeks off. Um, he admitted he was having some, uh, he was struggling with, you know, being away from, from his pregnant wife. Um, you know, that's, you know, pe you know, as much as we want to say, you know, there's reasons why aren't you performing? Well, these, these are people too. You know, they have, you know, they have feelings, they have emotions, they have, you know, they have things that are pulling on them constantly. And I'm just so proud of Marco Gonzalez. You know, he battled against Max Scherzer in, in uh, New York. And then he goes in and battles Kevin Gossman yesterday, who was arguably one of the top 20 elite pitchers in baseball. Six innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, two strikeouts. 
out dueled back to back Gossman and Scherzer. Outstanding home runs yesterday by Cal Raleigh. That was an awful taco. I love that big dumper nickname for him. That is hilarious. That's gold. Ty France, Laser, Toro, Laser. George Kirby versus Rich Hill today in Boston. Really curious to see this matchup. It's kind of like a tale of two opposite hemispheres, honestly. George Kirby's going to throw gas. Rich Hill probably won't even throw 89 miles an hour. He's going to be a crappy lefty. He's going to try and keep you off balance. We need to take advantage of pitches that are hung up inside of, of, of the strike zone. I'm really hoping we can continue this offense from yesterday. It kind of worries me having an only having a home run uh, reliant offense. That's kind of what we were the last couple of years. Obviously, we're mid we're uh, we're missing out on the loss of Mitch Haniger right now. That hurts a lot. Kyle Lewis played in back-to-back games yesterday for the first time in his entire rehab stint. Very very glad to see that he went he went yard day before yesterday. So that's all that's all great to see. Congrats to Tyler Lockett. For being inducted into the 2022 Kansas State Hall of Fame. What an incredible player for this franchise. Great ambassador. Um, he goes out and you know, his uh, community presence is second to none. He learns so well from Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse. You know, I know we're just so thankful and blessed to have him when it comes to our organization and our franchise. He's been the safety blanket for years on end. 1,000 yards receiving almost every season over the last five years. Great player, great man, great role model. And with that being said, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be for today's podcast. Uh, today's going to be a little bit of a longer one. I had to get into the whole Steven Souza thing. I know that was, that was a little bit long and drug out, but I got to say what I got to say. That's what I'm here for. Please, once again, do me a favor. If you guys like this podcast, please subscribe, follow, give me a rating. If you guys have anything you guys want me to touch on differently than what I'm doing right now, please let me know in the comment section. And until next time, See us rise.